How many of you are in need of a little divine direction in your life? Yeah, yeah I, see, I see some hands. And, and you're saying to yourself, a little? Well, it, it may not be a little. So if you're in need of a lot of divine direction, I, that means you as well. And I see hands going up. We are in part three of a four-part message series called Divine Direction. And as I have been saying for the past two weeks now, the key principle throughout this whole series is that the decisions we make today determine the stories we tell tomorrow. The decisions we make today determine the stories we tell tomorrow. Or we say it this way, we make our decisions and our decisions make us. And that makes us realize how incredibly important decisions are. Along with that pressure, as I said last week, which makes us even more indecisive, are all the choices that we have today. And I had a display of all the different Cheerios. And I, I couldn't believe, after the service, people came up to me and said, we didn't know there was that many different varieties of Cheerios. And I said, and I don't even have them all. There's like 22 different varieties of Cheerios. And did anybody find my chocolate peanut butter one this week? Oh, man, all disappointed. Now, along with adding to our indecisiveness with so many choices, and that's just Cheerios, we have this thing called the Internet. And have you ever researched something on the Internet? And you have all these reviews. Well, you can research a place or an eating place or something that you want to buy. And you start reading all the reviews. And it's amazing. You can read 20 positive reviews. But if there's just two negative reviews, then all of a sudden there's this little indecisiveness. I don't know whether... And that makes it even harder. And then do you realize that... We are now a generation that we get to see glimpses of people's lives via the internet. And we get a a, a glimpse into people's lives via the internet. And I'm sure you know a few that in the wintertime they have to post themselves skiing the mountains of Vermont in spring... They post their, their travels to Paris. In summer, they post pictures of, of them at their beach house. And in the fall, they always have to picture themselves at this log cabin, lakeside log cabin with this beautiful foliage, with this deck and this fire pit. And they're in their fishnet sweaters holding a cup of hot chocolate that's just steaming. And you have this illusion of perfection that all is good without really knowing what's happening in their lives. But as you view all these posts on social media of all these so-called perfect lives, you start to think, my life is pitiful. My life stinks. And then all of a sudden you're, you're You're just burdened with wanting to make perfect decisions that will lead to the perfect life. 
And because of all the pressure, you're afraid to make a decision that's imperfect, which will affect this perfect life. So therefore, you make no decision. And before you know it, you're like Mr. Miyagi said last week in Karate Kid to Danielson, walk right side, safe. Walk left side of the road, safe. You walk the middle, you get squished like grapes. So now, not only are we depressed because we don't have a perfect life, we're depressed because we're getting squished like grapes because we can't make a decision that's going to lead to the perfect life. Oh, what a wretched man we are. Choices. There are studies out that this generation has a more difficult time making choices than any other generations before. And as we said the first week, before you worry about the why, the do, and the what, you got to concentrate on the who. The who before do, the why before what. And let me explain for those who weren't here. When you focus on who God wants you to become, God will reveal what it is that he wants you to do. And if you focus on the why, and you have the right why, you have the right motive, it will be easy to discern what is right. And then what we said last week, we just need wisdom to discern in making choices because choices, decisions are so complicated today. God says, ask in James. If any of you lack wisdom, let him what? Ask of me. And along with asking, we need to walk with the wise. We need to do life with the wise. And then at some point, you have to. To make a decision. Today's all about trusting the process. You got to trust the process. And I want us to, if you have your Bibles, your electronic devices, you can turn to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, verses 20, uh, 22 through 24. 22, 23, 24. Three verses. But before we read that, I just want to set the background, the context, so you can understand the process that Paul is going through. In Acts chapter 20, Paul is on his third missionary journey. And on his third missionary journey, he stops at Ephesus. And he's in Ephesus for two years. And while he's in Ephesus, I'm telling you, revival breaks out. Listen to what the scripture commentates on his life there in Ephesus. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. Handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and evil spirits left them. Come on, somebody. Revival was breaking out. Ephesus was the center of the occult practices. And as people who had dabbled in the occult, were getting saved. It says, many of those who believed now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. I was amidst a uh, revival that broke out of young, young people, and I remember being at a bonfire where people, where these young people were bringing all these heavy metal uh, uh, CDs at the time and eight tracks. I, I lived in the days of eight tracks and CDs. And, and, and they were bringing them and, and they just realized that this music was ungodly. And, and they were throwing them into this bonfire saying that 
I'm done with this old life of listening to this trash. Then they calculated the value of those scrolls, and it total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Now, when you read this, it's like, okay, what's, what's the big deal? Well, I'm going to show you the big deal. Drachmas represented a silver coin that basically represented a day's wage. So, let's put it, let's convert it to today. And I'm just going to take a real simple number. I'm going to say average wage a day, $200. Now, I know that may be low, it may be high, but just for simple math, $200, $200 a day, that's $1,000 a week, that's $52,000 a year. Now, when you take $200 a day times 50000 that equates to $10 million. So there was an equivalent of people coming, burning their scrolls, that today would equate to 10 plus, 10 plus, 10 million plus. So that was a big thing. And that's why the, the way of the word, the word of the Lord was, was spreading widely. And, and it grew in power. And, and as this revival breaks out, what usually happens when revival breaks out? People get saved. But there's also people who get annoyed. And the next thing you read is how there was a riot in Ephesus. And Paul moved on. Coming back, Paul sails around Ephesus Stops at Miletus. But because he had such fond memories of his days in Ephesus, he calls upon the elders, the leaders of the church, to come to Miletus. So this is the context. This is the setting. The leaders of the church from Ephesus come to Miletus. And Paul says, hey, you, you know that when I was with you, how I humbly served the Lord with tears. And how we went from house to house, proclaiming to the Jews and the Gentiles that they need to repent, believe in God, and have faith in Jesus Christ. You you know that. And then he says in, in verse 22, and now, and now, guys, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. Not knowing, ooh, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing. I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race And complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me. And that task is testifying of the gospel of God's grace. Aren't you thankful for God's grace this morning? So in this wisdom to discern, we have to trust the process. And I want to show you four steps from this passage of scripture of how Paul had to trust the process. Step one, compelled by the Spirit. 
The Greek word is deo. Deo is, is a, it's a Greek word, literally means to be bound. He was bound by the Spirit. He was urged. He was driven. He was impelled. He was compelled. Uh, um, some some uh, translations will have, he was prompted by the Spirit. So there's a point in Paul's life where the Spirit, pneuma, which is wind or a gentle breeze, Paul being bound, being, being driven by the Spirit, being driven by this, this breeze. He says, I, I'm, I'm compelled, I'm, I'm, I'm being driven, I'm, I'm being urged by the Spirit. It, it's telling me to go to Jerusalem. Now I'm sure this week many of you have had a prompting to do something That the Spirit was prompting you to do. Maybe it was to call someone. Maybe it was to visit someone. Maybe it was to give uh, uh, someone who was homeless some some money. And I'm sure that, you know, as you go through this Christian journey, you you get these promptings to do something. Because we have a God who is personal, who speaks to us. And many times these promptings are big, very significant. And sometimes the promptings may seem small and may be insignificant. But whether significant or insignificant, when the Spirit prompts you, when the Spirit urges you, when the Spirit compels you, it is important. It's always important. I was reflecting upon this trusting the process in my own life. And I started to reflect that I came to First Assembly of God in 1995. But I started to realize the prompting, the compelling, started a year before in March of 1994. I was in Clifton, New Jersey at a church called Valley Chapel. I had been there for nine years The pastor was well beyond the age of retirement. And I was just hanging in there thinking that someday, man, you know, I'll just take over. How many know that you can plan, but it's always God who directs? And it was March of 1994. We were hosting a minister's meeting at the church. And I was in the fellowship hall. And all of a sudden, a deo moment came. And I was bound by an arm that was put around my shoulder and started to drive me in the corner of the fellowship hall. And that that hand around my shoulder that was just driving me to the corner was our district secretary, Ed Spinola. Some of you remember Ed Spinola. And there in that corner of the fellowship hall, he says, so Jeff, what does your future hold? And I just started to explain, you know, what I was thinking. And he just started to dispel words of wisdom like you couldn't believe. And I realized it was the prompting of the Holy Spirit. I was being, I was being compelled. I was being driven. Don't be content in the comfort of what you're experiencing because God may have something different for you. Prompting. We all have those 
promptings. Sometimes they're significant. Sometimes, well, they're not as big. Next month, in the month of October, we're going to do a sermon series on spiritual disciplines. And I'm so excited because for one of the messages, we're going to have a guest speaker come in. I'm going to call it a mystery guest, a good friend who's going to participate in the series. And he's going to talk about breakthroughs through worship. Breakthroughs through worship. And I'll give you a little hint. This person is a missionary. And serving in third world countries, you need breakthroughs. And he says, I can give you examples after examples of God giving us breakthroughs through worship. So that's what he's going to share. And then we're going to talk about Bible reading. We're going to talk about fasting. Fasting is a lost art. When was the last time you heard a whole message on fasting? And and Pastor Matt's actually going to talk about prayer. But part of prayer is listening. And whenever... Every morning, when I sit down for my devotions, I always have a pen and pad in hand. Because it's during those listening moments, after I've had my worship, after I've read, after I've prayed, during those listening moments is when the Spirit prompts, He urges, He compels, He, he, he speaks to your inner being. And, and if I don't write them down, the, what I believe the Lord is saying and the Spirit is prompting me to do, I'll forget. And a lot of times, He'll, he'll put a name. Like this week, I went down to see Marianne Martin. And uh, Lori, I, I saw your mother-in-law. And, and your mother-in-law is a blessing, man. She, she was just sitting there writing out all she had to do for the day. And I, I God bless her. Promptings. And maybe the Holy Spirit is compelling you today, prompting you to get out of your comfort zone and to join a life group and, and sign up for a life group. And, and let me say this it's not always about you, but signing up and being involved in a life group might be about. Someone else needing you to be there to listen to your wisdom and to your advice. It's not always about you. Maybe the Holy Spirit is prompting you right now. Compelled by the Spirit, urged, just driven. I need to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen. Not knowing you got to trust the process because when the Spirit compels, there's always going to be a certain uncertainty. Now, on Thursday, it was Pastor Paul's birthday. And so we make sure you wish him a happy birthday. And uh, Pastor Matt, myself, and Pastor Paul, in the morning we went uh, up to, well, Remrock Farms, you know, Battle Orchard to get some of those good mom, those good, healthy, no-sugar multi-grain donuts that are low calorie for your son. So, (laughs) and on the way back, I was telling the guys that Heather's first day of school, instead of asking the students, tell me something about yourself, she says, what's one of your pet peeves? What's one of your pet peeves? And and she said, this one girl said, one of my pet peeves is when I get in a car and people don't put on their seatbelts right away. Now, how many know that's a student that you want in your class because she's a rule follower? And I, and I told him my pet peeve, my pet peeve, oh, when you go 
and you get a cup of coffee. And they put the lid with the flip top right on the seal of where the coffee is. So when you go take a t- sip, that, that seam is, is, is just penetrating your lip, you know, as you drink. Oh, you know, and, and, I'll, and I have to take the lid and I'll turn it so that my thumb is not on the seal. It, it's just, yeah, it's a pet peeve. And Pastor Paul says, oh, you're a detailed person. Yeah, I am a detailed person. In fact, I can't tell you how many times I have felt like Tom Cruise and a few good men. Instead of yelling at God, I want the truth. I want the details. And God says, you can handle the details. No, he doesn't say it like Jack Nicholson. He's more like Jeff. I think it's in your best interest I don't show you all the details because if I showed you all the details of what laid ahead, you might not want to pursue with how I'm leading. Come on. And there's so many times in my life where I remind myself of Psalms 119. Your word, your word is a, say it, a lamp. And I have to remind myself, your word is a lamp. It's not a searchlight. It's not a spotlight. It's not a light that's lighting up my future. It's a lamp that lights up my path to make sure the next step I take is good. Now here's my problem. I want a searchlight. I want the spotlight. I want to know steps Five, six, and seven before I take steps one, two, three, and four. And what does God says? My word is a lamp. And before you get to five, six, seven, and eight, you got to first take one, two, three, four, and then I'll show you five, six, seven, and eight. Because he leads us step by step. you got to trust the process. But Lord, I'm a planner. I'm detailed oriented. I need. I cannot use GPS. Because I can't just go on the fact, turn right, turn left, without seeing the whole picture. I need to see the whole picture first of where I'm going. Come on. Don't you like details? Don't you want details? Don't you want certainty in your life? We all want certainty. And here's the certainty God gives to us. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Trust the process. I will instruct you. I will teach you. I will show you the way you could. I will counsel. I will watch over I can't show you the full details. I can't show you the full future. I can't show you the whole plan. All you have to do is trust the process one step at a time. Then I started to realize if I'm not living with some uncertainty, then I'm not living by faith. 
And if I'm not living by faith, then I'm not pleasing the Lord. Because Hebrews 6.11 says, without faith, it is impossible to please the Lord. You have to trust the process one step at a time with faith believing of the certain certainties that God is always with you. And with the certain certainties, there's always going to be certain uncertainties, but God will see you through. Third step. Not only, I only know that in every city, the Spirit warns me of prison and hardships that are facing me. Not only are there uncertain certainties, but when you go out to do something for the Lord and the Lord's compelling you, you got to realize that there is an enemy who's trying to oppose your progress, who's trying to oppose what God is compelling you to do. And there are always predictable resistance that the enemy will bring your way when you're trying to do something significant for God. It happens all the time. Predictable resistance. So there was this compelling a year ahead of time that God was going to rearrange something in our life. In November of of 1994, the district superintendent called me down to the district office and, and started to tell me about a church in Freehold, New Jersey. And his advice was, you and your wife go for a ride someday, ride around. And we rode around this area and and saw how nice, there was cornfields across the field. It wasn't as developed as it was today. And we're like, wow, needs a little work on the outside, needs a little cleaning up here and there, you know. And, And I called and I said, hey, you know, set up the interview. And after five hours of meeting with the church board, God was confirming the compelling, the prompting that he wanted us to continue through. What I didn't count on is I knew there were certain uncertainties. Where are my kids going to go to school? How much am I going to get paid? You know, what are the people like? There's always certain uncertainties. But what I didn't count on before I even got here, I didn't count on the resistance. Let me explain. Heather and I knew of a couple in North Jersey who was coming down to Freehold to a counseling center where the counselor used to attend the church. As we told this couple, yeah, we're going to be candidates at First Assembly of God in Freehold, they told the counselor, hey, we have friends of ours who are going to candidate at First Assembly of God. He goes, First Assembly of God, I used to go there. I hope they know what they're getting themselves into. And then there was a minister who called me in my home in Clifton, and literally spoke to me, who was very familiar with the church, for a half hour of everything that's wrong with the church. When I hung up, no kidding, you can ask my wife, my wife came up to the bedroom to check on me, and I was fetal position laying in the bed. (laughs) Always resistance, which leads me to say this. If you're not ready to face opposition for your obedience to God, then you're not ready to be used by God. Because when God tells you to do something, there's going to be predictable resistance. But you've got to trust the process. You, I'm, I'm looking around here. You, 
We enjoy the luxury of this beautiful sanctuary. But many people have no idea what it went through to get this sanctuary. In 1930s, where Building B and where this building sits, there was a farmer in Georgia. And this area is known as Georgia. still is known as Georgia. The farmer, Holshart. And he was not a godly man. He didn't go to church. His wife was deathly sick. And the pastor, Reba Norcross, yes, a woman pastor, Reba Norcross, who, who pastored this church for 18 years, would visit his wife. And out of the kindness of his heart for the pastor visiting the wife, he gave this church two and a half acres of property. With all kinds of deed restrictions that always had to be used for religious purposes. Well, fast forward, I come, church is growing, we're landlocked, we need more property, we need more space. Where the parking lot now was a uh, part of a 14-acre that it L's up Georgia Road. There's 14 acres there, and I heard that it belonged to a fellow by the name of Mr. Isaac. Mr. Isaac had this farm across the street. It was all cornfields, and he would stop every once in a while. And Mr. Isaac, I just started to have a relationship with Mr. Isaac. Church is growing. He says, yeah, I see all the cars all the time. And I said, man, I, we, we need that piece of property, Mr. Isaac. We, we really need that property alongside, we, we, you know, to help us expand. And Mr. Isaac says, well, that could be a long time in coming, but I'll promise it to you. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the two acres, but it's tied up in litigation because uh, right now we're, we're, we have a lawsuit with the township concerning the property across the road because they won't rezone it. I'm telling you, folks, it took 13 years before Mr. Isaac gave us the property where we have now the parking lot which allowed us to expand the building that we have today. Sometimes things don't come easy. Resistance isn't always a sign that you are out of God's will but sometimes resistance is giving you strength day to day, step by step, strengthening you for the next step that lies ahead. And through all that time, even trying to get a free deed on the church, God just kept prospering and prospering. And we kept saving and saving so that when we were able to build, God allowed us to build almost debt free. Isn't God good? You got to trust the process. When Dr. Tom Kineth was here on Wednesday nights, I went to school uh, to Valley Forge with Dr. Tom Kineth. After the one Wednesday night, he was just, we were just talking about and reminiscing our days in college. And he says, Jeff, what, what do you remember most about your days at Valley Forge? I said, Tom, there's a couple things, but I'll never forget freshman year. I don't know who the pastor was. The pastor kept saying this. Remember your call. Remember your call. Remember your call. 
Because in amongst the resistance, in amongst the uncertainties, when God propels you to do something, you have to have an uncommon confidence that God spoke to you, that God called you, that God told you where to be. If you don't have that uncommon confidence, if you don't have that call, don't enter the ministry. I'm telling you, if it wasn't for the call, I would have quit probably out ten times. But it was the call. This uncommon confidence. And man, I got to close with this because I really love what Paul says here. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. It's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. Paul says, my life is worth nothing. Guys. He's telling the the elders at Ephesus, it's not about me. It's only that I may finish the race and complete the task that the Lord has given me. That task of testifying of the gospel of God's grace. There's this this uncommon confidence that even if I go to Jerusalem and there's going to be uncertain certainties and there is this resistance, I know that I am propelled. I am compelled of the Spirit. He is leading me there. And if if there's a bunch of crowds, I'll I'll speak about Jesus. If I'm thrown in prison, I'll write about Jesus. Hey, aren't you glad for the prison epistles that Paul wrote while he was in prison? If I'm guarded, if I'm chained to a guard, I'll lead the guard to Jesus. If if they're stoning me, if, if they're beating me, if they're leaving me as half dead, I'll call out to Jesus. Because, guys, it's all about Jesus and proclaiming the grace of God's grace. Wow. Pastor Bonnie, you can come. So, when God gives you wisdom to discern, He will compel you to do something. And there will be uncertain certainties. You know, everybody thinks that when you're in God's perfect will, It's just going to be a bed of roses and everything's going to be perfect and there'll be no problems and no difficulties. But there are uncertain certainties. There will be predictable, predictable distractions. Resistance. But you got to trust the process because there's this uncommon confidence that God... You're prompting me. You're compelling me. Step by step. And the one thing that I am certain about is never will you leave me. Never will you forsake me. You got my front. You got my back. You've given me the counselor of the Holy Spirit. And through the uncertainties and through the resistance... I know that I know that I know without a shadow of the doubt as I proclaim of your grace. I just want to complete the task that you're prompting me to do. Because Lord, it's not about me. It's all about you. You just got to be obedient.
and trust the process in the divine direction that God gives. Would you bow your heads? Let's sing it. Jesus at the center of it all. Oh, Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end. From beginning to the end. It will always be. It's always been. a prayer Jesus oh Jesus Jesus be the center of my life Jesus be the center of my life from beginning to the end it will always be it's always been before the Lord and I believe the Holy Spirit will be prompting maybe prompting you to step out of your comfort zone to be a part of a, a life group but pastor I, I don't know the other people on the list and I don't know the leader well be obedient Maybe the Lord is prompting you to reach out to someone you haven't reached out for in a while. Be open to the prompting, to the compelling, to the urging. Know there's going to be, yes, some uncertainties and predictable resistance. But along with that prompting, there's this uncommon confidence that you know God just wants to use you to do this thing. Thank you, Jesus.